Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. My name is Sydney. And we are two members of the JLU podcast team who enjoy analyzing the DC films from Warner Brothers Studios. Other contributors to this episode are Alessandro Maniscalco and Rebecca Johnson. You can find us individually on Twitter, and you can follow the show at JLU Podcast. In this episode, we wrap up our analysis of Wonder Woman. So we're covering the final scene here where we see Diana back in modern times in Paris. And we are actually, by our count, calling this scene 52. Um, 52 is a special number in uh, DC lore. Um, but I do have to kind of admit, I, you know, there's a little bit of flexibility about what you call a scene and what you don't call a scene. So when I was laying out our notes for the movie, like way back when, I noticed that it was close to 52, and so I'm like, I'm just going to kind of make sure it hits 52 right on the nose. Oh, I was about to say, <laughs> did you do that on purpose? Uh, a little bit. Now, it, I think I only had to really fudge like one or two things, like kind of calling you know something a scene together when I could have separated it, but it was close enough where we're going to call it 52 and we're going to feel really good about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we are we are coming off of the celebration in London because the the war is over the Great War has ended and uh, we actually want to start by addressing um, a criticism that comes up and in a sense this kind of makes some sense that there's a criticism about the movie overall that Diana she mistakenly and kind of naively thought if I kill Ares that will end the war. Which, of course, is like a very simplistic view of things, that there's just one bad guy and that killing the one bad guy will make everything okay. And so then the criticism is like, wait a minute, that's exactly what happened. Diana killed the one bad guy and then everybody was smiling and celebrating and that ended the war. So, like, what would you say to that criticism? Is that, do they have something and it ruins this whole movie? Well, it's something that I initially thought, too. But when you think about it and when you actually listen to what is said, it's... It, it doesn't hold up. Um, I mean, number one, it's mentioned in the film several times that the war was already going to end soon. Um, there was an inevitable armistice that was mentioned frequently. Only Ludendorff and Maru's final plan could have continued the war, but that was averted by Steve when he blew up the plane. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Oddfellows blew up the factory, and then Diana killed Ludendorff. So that effectively ended it. Yeah, it was all of those efforts and all of that stuff working out meant that the armistice was going to go forward, just like everybody kind of thought it was. Like, you know, the Allied command was already preparing for the armistice because they're like, hey, we've got this armistice in the works. It, it should happen. And so, yeah, like you said, all that stuff made sure that the armistice happened. So that ended the war. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so with the exception of Ludendorff being killed, everything kind of follows actual history. Um, uh, but then also number two, the entire purpose with the, of the Ares fight afterwards was just a last-ditch attempt to convince Diana to join him. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, as a direct result of Diana's character arc, she soundly rejects him. Uh, mm -hmm. That entire thing was just, it, it, you know, once again, more of an emotional scene mm -hmm. um, than a fight to, you know, end the war at that point. Ares knew he would have further opportunities to try to manipulate mankind. So that wasn't about ending World War One anymore. Mm -hmm. That was just about ending Ares. Yeah, it was. It was really between Wonder Woman and Ares. Ares was trying to to convert Wonder Woman over to his side. She was trying to end him. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. At that point, it was it was really this personal and crucial thing for Wonder Woman to go through and to make her choice. Exactly, and it's like Ares said. He even mentioned several times that he can manipulate, but mankind does everything to themselves so killing the god of war didn't end the war that was already accomplished <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you, um, and I agree that I can kind of see where the critique comes from, but I agree with you that actually the critique is a little bit of a misunderstanding of what was happening at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, let's go into this final scene, though. So we're, we're leaving the celebration, and that is the happy ending for kind of all of the stuff that was going on back there in, you know, the, the 19-teens. Now we go back to present day at the time, um, you know, present day from when the, the film was made and released, this is a very common kind of filmmaking or just even storytelling technique of having these bookends, right? You have a little, um, you know, something that you introduced at the beginning and then you come back around to that same thing at the end. So here it's Diana at her work at the Louvre in Paris and getting the photograph from Bruce Wayne. So that's what took us into the flashback story. And then that's what we pull out of for the, the end of the flashback. So a very common thing, but um, it's a nice one, I think, with the photograph. The photograph is a nice way in and out. Yeah, and also it's, um, you know, considering that Diana was first introduced in the modern era in Batman v Superman, uh, you know, doing, doing the story this way makes more sense because um, we're not suddenly jumping between different time periods you get it right at the beginning of the movie you know this is after batman v superman but now we're going to go back yeah i think that's a good point yeah it'd be a little bit jarring to just plop us in and we have no idea no context for what we're doing there and then have to figure it out yeah Yeah. i think too just the the actual mechanics of pushing in and out of the photo is nice because when we pushed into the photo we wondered who were these guys why is it so important to diana as we pull out of the photo as an audience, we can realize, wow, we've learned a lot about those guys. We know where they were. We know what their personalities are like. We knew, we know why it was meaningful for Diana to have this photo, especially for Steve, the memory of Steve and having this connection to him. Um, so it's a chance for us as an audience to kind of check in with ourselves and realize how much we've learned from seeing the story of the flashback. Right, right. There's also something about how it, it's bookended. Like you said, the, the camera um, fades into the photo. Um, initially, it centers in on Diana. And, you know, it cuts to her life as a child on Themyscira. Uh-huh. So at the end here, when the camera pulls away from the photo, it focuses on her and Steve. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's after her, her love for Steve reminded her who she is and what her goals are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice point. And in terms of what it's fading into and out of, we went from the child to now the adult who has kind of taken her place and made her choice, like in relation to mankind. So that's kind of nice, too. Um, Yeah, good coming of age story. Yeah. And it reminds us that, oh, yeah, I remember the last time we did this, we saw the little girl and she's come a long way from that little girl back then. Mm -hmm. And she's learned a lot. She's she has moved beyond her kind of early story story time you know fairy tale kind of versions of things into a more real nuanced kind of understanding of things and uh man of steel answers also talks about this wonder woman film overall as basically like a fairy tale like in the genre of fairy tales and if you view it that way you can kind of interpret things a little bit differently and this is kind of like putting a cap on that fairy tale like that was the fairy tale part of the story like her memory of how that was and stuff Um, And now we're back into like, okay, now we're back into her present day um, and what she's doing now. So, yeah, I think very effective in terms of the bookends um, having having happened them there. Uh, There's another thing, too. um, You know, speaking of connections to other stories, there is a uh, the idea that the, the photo initially zooms in on Diana alone 
and then zooms out on her and Steve together. Yep. Um, I remember, you know, Joseph Campbell quotes were were pretty relevant to both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Like they mm-hmm. they consciously like integrated them into the Superman suit. Um, and I believe that Diana's what was it shield or sword has um, a Joseph Campbell quote on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, the quote that I'm reminded of, and this is the one that I believe is um, the one inscribed on the Superman suit, is and where we had thought to be alone, we shall be with all the world. So it, there, there's one thing, you know, she begins on a, a journey where she imagines she's going to go out and be a hero. And um, as the photo shows, you know, she encountered other allies and, you know, they were able to accomplish great things together, mm-hmm. which, you know, kind of goes into I always thought of the Oddfellows as being something of like a proto Justice League for Diana. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And it, she did go from being, you know, isolated in the sense that she's on Themyscira, this literally isolated island, and she's isolated because she was the only young girl on the island, mm-hmm. to, to now being with, she's in the world, and she's part of the world, and she has made connections with other people in the world. So, right. yeah, I, I can see that. Various comrades, warriors she fights <laughs> beside. Mm-hmm. Now, the bookend is not just the photograph and the kind of push in and pull out. Um, it's also the narration. So she she was speaking in narration uh, at the beginning. We weren't quite sure what she's referring to yet, if it's like your first time seeing the movie. Um, but in retrospect, you kind of realize, oh, okay, she's she's going to talk to us about kind of the stuff that she learned through this like experience in her life and stuff. Um, but now she, again, we, we finished the movie by having narration. And to me, I like it because... Um, BVS, uh, a movie that I'm fond of, uh, is <laughs> me an- too. <laughs> another movie that starts with Bruce Wayne narrating uh, Beautiful Lie at the beginning of the movie, and then Bruce Wayne, not exactly at the very end of the movie, but very close to the end of the movie, Bruce Wayne is kind of narrating about his men are still good kind of speech. Mm-hmm. And and that that narration really shows the growth and uh, turn in Bruce Wayne's character from beginning his low point to the ending where he'd kind of come out of it and had regained hope. So this one, it's fun. It's good too to see like, okay, great. It's another movie in the universe that has a main character who has really grown throughout the movie, has had development as a character, and the narration can kind of mark it at the beginning and the end. Right. And and both kind of are the same pattern where the, the beginning narration is talking about you know, kind of a bit more uh, more negative. Uh, you know, Bruce saying that you know there are there are no diamond absolutes, things mm-hmm. fall, mm-hmm. and uh, Diana here talking about how you know mankind has so much darkness in them, and how she was disillusioned. Yeah. Uh, but but then at the end, you know, both her and Bruce suddenly have a more optimistic view. Like yes, all those things are still true, but there's hope. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, at the beginning she's saying. I knew so little then, um, you know, mankind, there's this darkness simmering within and stuff. So it does start out in kind of a negative way and that, but then it ends on a very positive note. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a good arc from start to finish. So in terms of her narration here, um, she goes back to this idea of, I used to want to save the world to end war and bring peace to mankind. So that's almost a, you know, almost a line for line quote from the beginning about, I used to want to save the world. But then I glimpsed the darkness that lives within their light and I learned that inside every one of them, there will always be both. So now this is encapsulating, to me, the main thing that she's learned, which is that mankind is complex, and it's both good and bad. Uh, it's light and dark together. 
Um, it's not as simple as one bad guy, some good guys. It's not a good force and a bad force that are like opposed. It's all like wrapped up together. So that's a nice exactly. encaps- encapsulation of what she's learned. Yeah, and they they still deserve love. You know, they don't have to be this this perfect example of goodness to be deserving of her compassion. Mm-hmm. And then she says, a choice each must make for themselves, something no hero will ever defeat. So, again, as a girl, or even when not even as a girl, but as a young woman when she was first um, going out into man's world, she thought, I'll I'll find Ares and I'll kill him, and that will save the day. Mm-hmm. And now she's saying. No, really, a hero can't just come in and win the day. It's actually a choice inside every person. Right. Right. And and hero can't make the choice for the person. And that goes back to like what we've talked about before about how after defeating Ares, Wonder Woman did not want to rule over mankind. She did not want to be their godlike figure. She realizes like, no, this is actually your choice. It is mankind. So in that sense, Ares is right. This is like mankind's doing. But that means mankind can keep making choices and hopefully choose the side of love or choose the, the the light side. Right. And it's also an interesting thing to say in a superhero movie, saying that this is, you know, <laughs> the choices each must make for themselves. It's something that no hero will ever defeat. It's, um, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute, this is a superhero movie. But it's another thing that I like and what I've liked about a lot of the previous DCEU films as well is that, yeah, you, you get some really cool superheroism. But it's still tied in with things in the real world. You know, you, you, you don't have this. No person has the powers of Wonder Woman or Superman, but you can still try to emulate, you know, what they do, you know, their their mm-hmm. intentions. And that despite all of their powers, they really do represent ordinary people. They represent the hero inside of all of us. So mm-hmm. it's not the superpowers that makes them heroes. It's, you know, just your actions and, and how you deal with the world mm-hmm. and the choices you make. Yeah, I think and she had that line about it's the choice each of us must make. And then she says, I know that only love can truly save the world. So, yeah, she is really saying this power to be the hero is distributed amongst all of us. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a nice, uh, nice message, empowering message for us outside of the movie, even just to think about. Now, the next part of her narration it could you could kind of get into some discussions about the DCEU and like you know continuity from BVS and that sort of thing cuz next she says she knows she learned that love can save the world and then she says so i stayed i fight and i give for the world i know can be some people might say like wait a minute she stayed does that mean she stayed like uh the the hero trying to save the world from world war 1 all the way till now that would be a contradiction from like BVS and even a little bit of Justice League about her like, you know, walking away from mankind. I take the line to mean, so I stayed, meaning, oh, I, this was the story of how I left the Mascara mm-hmm. and my first, my first entree into man's world. And I actually stayed in man's world. I did not try to go back to the Mascara, back to like the simplicity or the, the worldview that I had before or my isolation Nothing against the mascara, but it is, you know, a more closed off world, obviously. Um, So to me, I take it as like, oh, I stayed in man's world. Not that I stayed and was like a big public figure because she just before this, she said, I'm not going to do all of this for people. People have to choose for themselves. Right. And I actually I interpret it the exact same way you do. Um, I actually never um, understood the the confusion or 
frustration with that line because I'm just like, obviously she stayed in man's world. That's, that's usually how um, it is in the comics mm-hmm. a lot. It's, you know, she doesn't go back to Themyscira a lot. In mm-hmm. fact, there's some versions of the story where she can't go back. She can't find it or yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, hidden from her or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you can say that there's still a lot of opportunity. And I thought this even after Batman v Superman, like there's, she mentions that she's killed things from other worlds before. Right. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. She says that line, which suggests that, mm-hmm. OK, there's a bunch of adventures of Wonder Woman that we haven't seen, but mm-hmm. she definitely wasn't a public figure. Right. So it leaves a, you know, I we can wait till Wonder Woman 1984 comes out and yeah. maybe some continuity errors. You never know. But I think it can still be like this movie. In this movie, she was seen by people, you know, soldiers, people in the town. Um, but at most she maybe became an urban legend or right. something yeah you know she, she kind of it, it wasn't like recorded as historical fact it was maybe just like oh you know a bunch of crazy people think they saw <laughs> a woman fighting out on the battlefield so there's so many ways that she can still have adventures that take place before batman v superman um without it being a continuity error i think she also could have helped in more ordinary ways uh you know i mean she has a job clearly um in man's world. So she's probably, you know, had some supernatural adventures, but also maybe just, you know, trying to help in more ordinary ways as well. Yeah. I feel like with BVS Wonder Woman and Justice League, I don't feel like there's actually a direct continuity problem. I feel like if you just interpret some things a little bit metaphorically, like walking away from mankind that can just mean metaphorically, you know, my my mental state. And it doesn't mean that literally I left mankind and went somewhere else. And it doesn't have to mean that every single day of my life I was rejecting mankind. Like, that's a very literal interpretation of the line when it's not a line that's spoken in a literal way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, for me, I don't see any continuity problem thus far through Justice League um, with the, the Wonder Woman side of things. But Wonder Woman 84 could throw a big wrench in the continuity thing. Like if they have her going around a mall and then having news cameras all on her and everybody's talking about who's this Wonder Woman character and all this stuff, then I would basically just have to say, okay, they're breaking continuity and we're just going to have to go with the new version of things. But I agree with you. There's lots of ways that they can keep this continuity and they can still keep the spirit of her walking away from mankind and having this period of, disappointment in mankind because like to me it really makes a lot of sense in bvs because she said okay the light in the dark is inside of all of you and so it's really your choice about whether you want to do the good or the bad and then if over decade after decade she sees lots of bad things happening that would have to be pretty frustrating right like yeah you don't have to do this you could make a different choice you could choose love you could choose more goodness and the fact that mankind keeps doing the wrong thing, even though Ares is gone, that would be very frustrating. And I could see after 100 years, somebody saying, like, mankind has made a place where we can't stand together. Mankind keeps disappointing me. To me, that all actually makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's really worn at her over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, does, it doesn't mean that she, like, never did anything. It could just mean, like, you know what? I've been kind of frustrated uh, with mankind because it really is up to them and they've let me down. Right. And, and like you even mentioned in um, one of the earlier episodes, you know, she probably doesn't feel like she has the right to act as a, a god and lord over everyone. So, you know, it's Superman makes almost kind of 
like a rookie mistake in revealing himself to the world. And at that point, Kat's mm-hmm. out of the bag and she has to make a decision about whether she's yeah. going to be public as well. Right. Yeah. Um, Superman definitely started to change things and she was probably thinking about it like, hmm, it's a little bit different now with this Superman guy. And then she sees Doomsday like, oh, OK, <laughs> this okay. maybe means I need to be back out there. Exactly. But before I think, you know, the whole the whole situation with Ares, you know, she didn't want to be that to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and also without getting too much into things we can have no idea about um, for Wonder Woman 84, you know, there really are so many different ways they can handle things. Anything mm-hmm. from extreme as like if the story involves magic in mm-hmm. some way, you know, mm-hmm. then it could be that something takes place in another plane of reality or, you know, it was mm-hmm. all a dream or, or whatever to mm-hmm. something as simple as people saw her, but nobody would believe them. Right. Yep. <laughs> because it's just too insane. This is a pre-Superman world. Yeah. Um, so there's so many, so many different ways that they could do whatever story they want for Wonder Woman 84 without breaking continuity. So everyone yep. should just stay calm and wait. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. There's lots of ways to do it. I kind of, you know, if it's up to me, I would hope that they keep some of the continuity because I I kind of like that complexity to the character and her mm-hmm. relationship to mankind. If they break it and if she steps right up to a podium and says, hey, I'm Wonder Woman and I just did this and blah, blah, blah. That's also not really the end of the world. These are still just movies. They're still just mm-hmm. creators telling different stories. So I would still preemptively, you know, ask our fan base to not freak out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if she did that, I mean, even I'll say that if that happened, I would be disappointed. So, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. We can be, <laughs> and we can be disappointed at the move away from continuity without like it being the end of the world. Like you, you don't need to have it ruin your life. Well, yeah, of not course. not I'm you. Saying... I'm talking about other people on the internet. <laughs> right, right. But I just think that it's not even going to happen at all. Yeah. Like uh, that is like so extreme. Sure, there's always a tiny possibility that it could happen, but I don't think it will. <laughs> I, maybe I'm just optimistic. <laughs> now, I want to go back to uh, what you said about uh, killing people from other worlds before. So that's another part of the continuity from BVS. Mm-hmm. So do you consider Ares to be like the thing from another world that she has defeated before? Like, do you consider Mount Olympus or like the, the realm of the gods to be like a different world? Or do you still say like, well, no, Ares is still from Earth. He's just a god from Earth. Um, I would consider that another world. Um, this, you think of it as almost kind of like like the supernatural world. Yeah. Like, you know, in other DC Comics stuff, say if, you know, John Constantine is fighting some demon. The demon's from another world, even yeah. though it's from exactly, know, some other yeah. place on Earth. Right. I agree with you. Like I take world to be to mean, you know, not literally another planet on some other solar system, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would be like if she's looking at Doomsday and they're saying, yeah, he's from another world, you know, for her, I think it would make sense to think like, you know what? I defeated Ares. That's kind of similar to this. He's from another realm of power and everything, you know, and immortality and stuff. And I defeated him. So let's do this. Exactly. And she but she did say things. So True. there's a lot yeah, of yeah, possibility. Yeah, yeah there could be there could be more. I, I'm just kind of thinking like we've already seen one that's Aries that can connect mm-hmm. to BVS. There also could be others that that she's defeated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's good. Now, her last line of the narration is this is my mission now and forever. 
do we take that forever to mean like that she's immortal? Is she aging? I mean, she was aging on Themyscira because she went from a little girl to, you know, full grown. Uh, I think in in maybe the the making of the film, you know, art book. I think maybe it says that she does age, but she just ages much much more slowly than men do. You know, uh, humans. Right, and Patty Jenkins did say that they never really came up with an official age, but <laughs> you know, it's at least a few centuries. Okay. So um, that's another one. This is my mission now and forever. Again, don't take it literally. She's not saying forever as in I'm immortal and can never be killed. She's saying she could fig- be. <laughs> maybe I think she could be saying figuratively like this is going to be my cause on an ongoing basis. Yeah, from uh, now on. Yeah, from now on being 2017, you know, like present day. Um, mm-hmm. So that was actually the next thing I wanted to ask or talk about was so she mentions these lessons I learned that inside every person there's the darkness and the light. And then she also learned that it's not about a hero saving the day. It's about everybody making their own choice and, you know, love will save the world. Now, are those lessons that she learned by the end of the 1918 World War One story? Or are those lessons that she started to learn then and she now fully realizes them in Paris in 2017? Hmm. Well, some of it might take a little bit of interpretation because there's been several decades in between then and Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. My interpretation, um, based on how she is in Wonder Woman and based on how she is chronologically decades later in Batman v Superman, I'm going to say that these are things she learned um, back during World War One. And like we mentioned earlier, the decades have sort of worn her down you know she's she's still been around but you know things have gotten the same things keep happening and over and over again in mankind mm-hmm. and now seeing the photo is reminding her of it again you know she even yep. emails bruce saying you know thank you for bringing him back to me or something mm-hmm. like that but yep, I, yeah. I thought her choice of words was was interesting because yeah. i feel like you know steve represented a lot to her and he helped her realize um certain truths about the world and so bringing him back to her was a way of reminding her of who she is. Yeah. So just so the listeners know, we did not actually compare notes on this or share our answers to this beforehand, (laughs) but you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. Nice. (laughs) Because I also interpret it as those were lessons that she learned in 1918, Mm -hmm. but she needed to be reminded of them so that she could rededicate herself and like go into this next phase in the present day. Mm-hmm. So like exactly like you're saying, and I also agree the thanks for bringing him back to me. She's also saying thank you for reminding me of my like commitment to love and that that's what we need to save the world. And I need to put myself back out there, not as a lord over people. I need to put myself back out there as an example of choosing love and the power that that can have. Right. So, yeah, I, t- I took it as she learned the lesson before. But now she is rededicating herself to it, even though she has been disappointed and she's seen some ugliness from mankind. This is the moment where she is going to try to go back out and make another effort, you know, into the world. Exactly. I think she was she was already kind of along that path um, after she fought alongside Superman and Batman and, you know, witnessed Superman's sacrifice. But, you know, this was a bit more of a personal moment. Yeah. You know, this was her, you know, seeing the photo, actually seeing it in front of her is, you know, a way of reliving. Yeah, I think Doomsday was kind of like an emergent threat that she said, okay, I I do need to kind of help with this Doomsday threat. And then Mm -hmm. seeing Superman's sacrifice, I think that 
were some steps in the direction, but I think this exactly. is now when she's kind of like, you know what, I, I've made this decision. I'm fully dedicated to this now, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not just uh, one thing and it snaps on. It was kind of like a, a three-step process and now she's there. And then that goes into Justice League and onward. Exactly. I, I kind of have like an imaginary thing in my head where, you know, Bruce keeps on trying to get her to join his little secret club or something. And <laughs> she's like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> And then he goes through all this effort to get her the photo. So, <laughs> yeah. And there still is, you know, the there's still the issue of do I want to join your team? Like this might be something that I want to do myself and joining your team is something else. And then that happens in Justice League. Yeah. So that's a separate question of teaming up with Bruce and, and doing what, you know, going for what he's working on until she knows kind of the full story of what's going on there. But hey, well, anyway, the photo has the whole Oddfellows crew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about, you know, working with others. Yeah. So um, that was the main stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, so she goes out and she, you know, has her Wonder Woman gear on. We see Paris. The the music kind of swells up um, in a cool way. Uh, again, I, I like the score for this film overall. But then we get the, the final shot of her leaping forward. Some say maybe she's flying. Can't quite tell. Um, but over Paris and it's right towards camera. And she's in the same pose that she had when she, like, um, attacked the tower, um, taking out the sniper. But for me, I like it. It's kind of stylized, you know, they kind of go into, it's almost like a a heightened kind of reality of the way that they film it and kind of have her jumping forward. But I like it because I feel like you have to kind of do something to to really end the movie, you know. Mm -hmm. You can't just kind of have her like look off in the distance and then it fades to credits, you know. So I felt like that leap forward felt emotionally right. I don't really care about the physicality. I don't care about where she's actually jumping. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it fits the emotion of the scene and the fact that she is putting herself back out there and rededicating herself to it. Right. And th- I just think it's a it's a, you know, cool superhero pose. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's just a good way of ending it. Just one final cool shot of our our main heroine here. Yeah. Um, do you happen to remember Superman the movie? So, like, Patty Jenkins said that's, you know, one of her main inspirations for this. Does Superman the movie end with, like, Superman flying, like, towards camera like that or something? I kind of have a vague a vague recollection that that might be the, the ending of that movie. I have a confession. I still have not seen that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry for outing you. <laughs> it's on my... <laughs> It's on my to-do list. Um, you know, I, I really love the, the recent DC films, but yeah. I, I really, really also want to get around to watching some of the classic ones, too. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a bonus episode on Patreon where we can talk through that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know Alessandro would want to do that. I think Alessandro is our like resident um, fan of the original Superman. I like it okay, but honestly, it's definitely not my favorite version of Superman or our film, super superhero film, but... Um, yeah, I need to see it again, obviously, because I can't quite remember how it ends. Um, but yeah, it, it's possible that this might have some kind of connection to that, too, at least in spirit of having her kind of like, you know, go to the sky to kind of end on a, a happy note, positive note. Right. As far as whether she's flying or not in that scene, it's there's several scenes in this movie where she could be flying, but they don't make it super clear. I kind of feel like the filmmakers are leaving it open to either interpretation uh, like sometimes it's just, I think, you know, leaping and falling with style or, you know, mm-hmm. kind of slow motion. Yeah. Uh, and one of them in the previous, like in the fight scene, she's kind of hovering, but she's hovering above some objects and, and concrete that Ares is lifting. 
So yeah. I, I'm sort of like, is she like hovering of her own superpower or is she just kind of using the fact that Ares is manipulating gravity and lifting things up? Mm-hmm. You know what? I mean, maybe like her, you know, her blast ability has developed. We, you know, we saw her kind of do some super speed in an earlier scene. It's possible that she's capable of flying and that it's an ability that she might develop in the future. Um, it could just be that it's not her typical way of fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, she's got all these superpowers, but even in Batman v Superman, we still see her fighting very competently with a sword and shield. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I think she almost has more powers than she needs. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she probably, if she can fly, she probably just doesn't do it all the time. Um, <laughs> doesn't fit her fighting style, <laughs> but it could go either way. I think people have different ideas on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think again, you know, Wonder Woman 84, we'll get a lot more information about her and the time in between and all, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, you know, we'll have a lot more data and information to build on when we have the sequel coming out and figuring out what the heck's going on with Steve Trevor. Cause, um, <laughs> you know, here we, we had the, the death of Steve Trevor. It was very meaningful. And now here we have, you know, her looking at this photo and the watch. And it's, so it's, it's connecting to the themes of time and love and that sort of thing. But also there's this sense that I miss this man who I haven't seen for a hundred years. But if she actually did see him in the 80s, then that is like a little bit different, right? Because then, well, couldn't you have something from the 80s that you'd remember by? Like, it, it does seem to color this differently, like, to me, it's the most poignant when it's like, wow, she has not seen a likeness or anything from him uh, for 100 years, and now she f- gets this photo back, is is a different, more poignant feel than if, oh, yeah, and I also saw him 20 years ago or 30 years ago, you know. <laughs> mm, that's why, well, once again, and this is completely, you know, based on nothing because we have no idea, but I kind of have a theory that Steve's presence in 84 is a very temporary thing that is the result of magic or illusion of some kind. Hmm. I actually suspect that, I mean, people often, you know, talk about like the middle entry of a trilogy being the dark one, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling that, especially given that it takes place during the cold war, I'm thinking some really dark and deceptive stuff is going to happen. So I think that whatever she sees of Steve Trevor in, in that movie is going to end badly hmm. <laughs> um, and would probably not make it a happy memory. <laughs> <laughs> now, I always thought the middle entry of a trilogy was like with the fanny packs and the 80s music and stuff and the poofy <laughs> hair. <laughs> I think that's what things look like. But remember, it's Cold War, so I'm pretty sure some dark secret spy stuff is probably going to happen too. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. And and uh, Cheetah coming into it is, I think she's going to have a kind of an intense sort of story to go for her too. Mm-hmm. So, once again, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have the same reservations about things that, you know, a lot of other um, fans seem to have, but I, I am ultimately a positive person and I think it's going to turn out just fine. Yeah, I usually try to look for the good in things. Um there is a chance that Wonder Woman 84 might be a very fine movie on its own, but might really cause stress and uh, anxiety for people that like the full set of the universe, you know? Right. So, yeah, like... But be positive. We don't know. We don't know. We have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of this movie, uh, Wonder Woman, the original, uh, uh, I think it, it ends very nicely. 
Um, the narration to me does connect and ring true with stuff that we saw throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. The lessons that it alludes to, I do see how those were developed through the movie that it all does seem like stuff that Diana did and, and built throughout connecting to the watch and love and, um, that kind of thing. It's like, yep, that is what this movie was about. So, uh, right. and then the, the iconic vision of her above the city, it, it all to me works as a very satisfying kind of ending. And then going into the credits, I like the way they designed the credits and, uh, the music that they have there too is, uh, it, it wraps up the movie, I think very effectively. Exactly. You know, they, I, I feel like Diana definitely earns the right to say, you know, only love can truly save the world. You know, it, you're right. It, it, it um it traces through from previous scenes uh you know kind of like we mentioned in um our previous episode together uh you know there's that greek concept of agape the the love for all of mankind mm -hmm. so it's you know it's a very general word but it's a word that encompasses a lot of very positive things that diana and wonder woman represents all right. Well, that actually does it for our Wonder Woman analysis. Uh, we have a special episode coming up where we will hear from a variety of people about their favorite part of the movie. You can still squeak your submission in if you do it really quickly here by September 10th. Send us an email to jlupodcast at gmail.com. You can send some text and we'll read that in the episode. Uh, or you can submit an audio file, three minutes or less, where you can explain in your own voice uh, what your favorite part of the movie was and why it was meaningful to you. So we look forward to hearing that from everybody. Thank you for listening and for uh, joining us through this analysis. We've got three whole films under our belt, which is kind of amazing to think about. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, thank you for, for taking this journey with us. And thanks uh, for to Suicide Squadcast and Man of Steel Answers for inspiring me to you know try to do this in the first place. And just thanks again to the listeners. Uh, you know, without you, we wouldn't really be doing. We wouldn't have any of this kind of community. So thanks to everybody.